You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hello, Bleeding Green Nation, and welcome back to another edition of Eye on the Enemy, powered by SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. I'm your host, John Stolness. You can follow me on Twitter, at John Stolness. And coming up, we're going to take a a little break from our NFC check-in, and we're going to rank the entire NFC here on this episode of the podcast. And uh, also, we're going to take a look at the teams that are most likely to end their postseason droughts. There are five teams in the NFL that have not made the playoffs in the last five years. And so uh, we'll take a look at them. And uh, one of the other things I want to do is we'll take a look at which of the teams that have never won a Super Bowl have the best shot at winning a Super Bowl here in 2023. So lots to get to on this episode of Eye on the Enemy. So let's jump right in here. And this is a weird time of year on the NFL calendar because there's just not a lot of actual news breaking. You know, the, the all the Eagles moves are pretty much done. I mean, there are still some some moves that could be made. You could make a trade for a linebacker like a Patrick Queen or, you know, like John Johnson as a, as a safety options out there. I mean, there are some there are some moves that would make sense for the Eagles, but seems as though everybody seems to just kind of be on summer break and there's no real impetus to get something done right now. The Eagles are very comfortable with their roster. Uh, ESPN ranked them as having the second best roster in the NFL right now, even if they do nothing else, which I would tend to agree with. They either have the second best or the best roster in the NFL. They are already loaded on it. They're a finished product on offense. And really there's just a couple pieces on defense and maybe the punting situation is something you could, you could, you could argue with, but all in all, there are not really any transactions taking place in the NFL with the exception of players getting suspended for gambling on football. Stop being stupid. <laughs> what are you doing? Yeah, no, I, it's just, I, it's, I'm not going to get on a soapbox about sports gambling. It's just not my thing. And I know it's a, it's a big moneymaker for the NFL and major league baseball and pro sports in general. Just, just not my thing. Uh, but, and, and you're seeing players kind of get caught up in it. And now they're going to miss a whole year of football because they, they can't stop. They can't stop betting on, on the, the sport in which they play, which has never been okay in any sport and the NFL included. So, um, but that's really the only kind of news you have going on right now. We're kind of in that NFL dead zone. So this is a kind of a good time to just take stock on a couple of different things and uh, run down some rankings. And, you know, I've been doing this uh, weekly check-in with different NFC contenders. And you can go back and listen to any of those podcasts because they're they're kind of evergreen. None of these teams that we've talked about, nothing's happened during this dead zone period to change any of what we've talked about. So uh, a few weeks ago, we talked about the Detroit Lions. We've talked about the San Francisco 49ers. We've talked about the Dallas Cowboys and New York Giants. You can catch those most recent four episodes of Eye on the Enemy if you scroll through the Bleeding Green Nation podcast feed on your Apple Podcasts or your Spotify, wherever it is you're listening to podcasts. And you can listen to my conversation with some very good writers and analysts 
with all of those teams, and you can get a sense for for where those teams are right now. And we're going to get back to that uh, in the next few weeks as the dead zone continues here for the NFL schedule. But we're going to take a little break here, and I want to rank the NFC teams just in in, in their entirety. All 16 teams in the NFC from worst to first, where I think they are right now. Obviously, some of this can change as teams will make moves once training camp gets closer or once it's underway. We know that's when the Eagles went out and got Chauncey Gardner-Johnson late in training camp. So that that's a big move and they can still happen. They're actually more likely to happen once teams get guys on the field and they start realizing, dude, this guy stinks. So we're really weak at linebacker. We definitely need somebody else in the fold here. But for right now, here is my ranking of the 16 teams in the NFC. And we'll start from the bottom and work our way up. And you know who the number one team's going to be, but we'll just, we'll just hold that in abeyance for, for the moment. Uh, I think the worst team in the conference is going to be Jonathan Gannon. Arizona Cardinals, folks. This might be a one-and-done coach, but at least he got that multi-million-dollar mansion under in, under the wire, right? He, I think you saw. I think I saw that this week. Jonathan Gannon uh, purchased uh, purchased this this huge mansion uh, out in Arizona. It was a ten million dollar mansion, six thousand seven hundred seventy-five square feet near Scottsdale. Get it, get it while you can, bro. You know, lock that in because I'm not so sure you're going to be an Arizona resident after next year. I mean, what? Maybe I'm shallow, but this guy, a rookie head coach, right? Going out and getting a $10 million mansion. Does does that strike anybody else as wildly out of touch? With your, with his station, I, I think this is a guy who wants to be head coach for the status of being a head coach, and I think he's going to be awful at the job. He's he you you can already see how awkward he is, just as a personality. I don't know what it is. Team seeing this guy, I'm getting fired up about Jonathan Gannon, but this ten million dollar mansion purchase is so is so over the top. That it just it tells me this guy just wanted just wants to be a head coach for the status of being a head coach. He wants to live in the the, the big house. I, I mean, I don't know what kind of house Nick Sirianni has. Maybe that's online somewhere. Maybe I can Google that. Um, but you know, I I just don't think that a rookie head coach. She, it just takes a lot of gall to do that. I I. I think, um, oh, here, yeah, so they actually are involved. Nick Sirianni and his, and his wife won a court battle over uh, over a, um, a home in Moorestown, New Jersey. Um, so they could buy a $2.3 million home. And, and, and Jonathan and Nick Sirianni is an established coach. Even, even last year, he was an established coach. And especially now so this year. Um, that's right. Yeah. So a state judge in Mount Holly recently found that Sirianni and his wife, Brett, did not violate a contract when they refused to close on the purchase of a two point three million dollar home in Morristown. Sorry, I got that a little bit wrong. Superior Court judge uh, ordered the homes would be seller to return one hundred thousand dollar deposit to the Sirianni's. Um, yeah. So it looks like well, I don't I don't really care about the details of this particular story. The, the bottom line is Sirianni's are not moving into a ten million dollar house. And I don't think a whole lot of young, especially rookie head coaches in a sport in which it's so volatile that you could get canned if you start off 0 and 5. 
And it's not going to happen, but Jonathan Gannon is not going to be long for this job. But he got that mansion purchase in, and this is not why the Arizona Cardinals are going to fail, ultimately. They're going to they're gonna fail because I don't believe in the starting quarterback. I don't believe in Kyler Murray. I don't believe—DeAndre Hopkins is going to miss the beginning of the season. And there's just not a lot of talent there. It's a team that is pretty much devoid of talent, especially on the defensive side of the ball. It's going to be a disastrous year for Arizona and for Jonathan Gannon. They just don't have the horses— to, to stack up. And I think they're going to finish with the worst record in the NFC. I think the team that'll be right on their heels, though, the team I have at number 15 is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. With Tom Brady gone, you're replacing Tom Brady with Baker Mayfield, who he said this week, he thinks his Rams cameo, remember he had that huge comeback win uh, with the Rams. This uh, It was like a, a last-minute drive down the field for a touchdown. And it was impressive. It was a great NFL moment, and it was, it was fun for Baker Mayfield. But he ain't it. We all know he ain't it. We all know what Baker Mayfield is, and he's watching a roster that's crumbling around him. Everybody's getting older. I, you know, once once uh, Bruce Arians left, they, they just, it's, it's not the same thing anymore. They don't have the personnel there. Um, even though they play in kind of a weaker conference, I think the Buccaneers are going to have a disastrous season as well. I think that's a four or five win team. And I, th I think they finished as the second worst team in the conference. At number 14, I have the Falcons here and I probably should have them a little bit higher, but I just can't make the argument for them ahead of the teams in front of them. I think anyone can win the NFC South. And I, I think the Falcons are a team that can win the NFC South. They went 7-10 and 10 last year. Uh, they were tied with um, uh, the uh, Saints and tied with the Panthers with that record. One game behind the 8-9 and nine Buccaneers. But while I do think Atlanta can win the NFC South, and, and while I do like their, their head coach, I like the quarterback situations in Carolina and New Orleans a little bit better. And that's why I think the Falcons slot in as the third best team in that division, which I think is also the worst division in the NFC. It's no longer the NFC East, thankfully. Uh, and I just, I don't, while I do think there's a, a decent chance they could win that division, which would obviously move them much further up this list, I think on paper right now, I think they have a weaker roster than the 13 teams in front of them. So I have uh, Arthur Smith's Atlanta Falcons sitting at number 14. At number 13, I've got the Green Bay Packers. It'll be very interesting to see how this team responds with Aaron Rodgers out of the building. You could argue that Rodgers has been a distraction, that moving on from Rodgers will be good for this team, that it'll free them up to maybe do some different things they haven't been able to do before because really when Aaron Rodgers is your quarterback, he's as much the head coach as Matt LaFleur. And I think LaFleur is a good head coach. He's won with them every single year. But now he's got to use uh, Jordan Love. And I think in the, the very, very little we've seen of him, including that game against the Eagles last year, I thought he looked pretty good. He, it seems like he's got some talent. They didn't have to rush him into the starting lineup like other teams have had to do with young quarterbacks. I'm sure that Aaron Rodgers did not mentor him, really, and give him any help, just like Brett Favre didn't give him any help. So I do think they're going to take a step back this year, uh, or at least continue to take a step back and, and maybe jump back into the playoff picture next season. But for this year, uh, I think the Green Bay Packers just have a little bit of growing pains under Jordan Love, uh, and I like some of the other teams in, in their division better than them, so I have them at number 13. At number 12, I have the Washington Commanders, and this is kind of a weird team. And a big, the big question mark with the Commanders is what kind of an impact will Eric Bieniemy have? A guy who I think should have been a head coach as of these last two seasons. 
It's a guy I wanted the Eagles to go after instead of Nick Sirianni. And listen, I'm happy it worked out the way it worked out. Sirianni has proven to be a very competent, capable head coach, one of the better head coaches in the NFL. I think Eric Bieniemy will also be that. He seems to really bring a fire and an energy to Washington that they haven't had before, especially on offense. He's obviously coming from the Andy Reid tree, which has blossomed and turned a whole lot of teams around with good head coaches. Andy Reid's coaching tree is maybe um, more flush than any other head coaching tree in the NFL. And I think the offense could be much improved this year with Eric Bieniemy calling the plays and structuring the offense. But I think it all is going to come down to how Sam Howell plays. If Sam Howell struggles, then this team still won't really have a plan at quarterback. I think he's an intriguing prospect. He's far from a sure thing, but we were saying the same thing about Jalen Hurts a couple of years ago. Hal has a decent arm. We only got to see him play in one game last year, but I thought he played okay in that game, played pretty well for his first game ever. And so I think with Eric Bieniemy, there's a real chance that the commanders could have an improved offense. They Bieniemy has to be able to do a better job of getting Terry McLaurin the ball Better, more so than the previous offensive coordinator. I don't even remember his name, and I don't really care. But the Commanders are usually a tough team for the Eagles to match up with. They generally don't sweep the Commanders. Um, they did this last year, which was... Oh, no, they didn't. That's right. The Commanders handed them their first loss. The Commanders are just kind of a pesky team, uh, and they have a, a decent defense. It could be a very good defense if some guys stay healthy, but uh, the Commanders are a little bit of a question mark, a little bit of an enigma, and it'll be very interesting to see what Eric Bieniemy brings to that team. But I have them at number 12. I think they're the fifth worst team in the NFC. At number 11, I've got a playoff team here. The first playoff team from last season I have uh, on this list, and I have the Seahawks at number 11. And it's really all about, can Geno Smith do it again? I'm not convinced he can. That season he had last year, that Pro Bowl season, came absolutely out of nowhere. Good for him. He had his career year, and he got that big money deal. That's fantastic for Geno Smith. I'm just not sure the man can do it again. And so that's why I have the Seahawks at number 11. They also play in a very difficult division in the NFC West. I have the Chicago Bears at number 10. Count me in among the Justin Fields takes a big leap club this year. He's going to improve as a thrower. He's already the best running quarterback in the league, and I'm thinking he puts up a Jalen Hurts 2021-ish type season for Chicago this year and potentially gets that team into the playoffs. Regardless, the Bears are going to be a fun team to watch. They they were a difficult team last year. Uh, the Eagles struggled with them, but you could see that it was as much Chicago as it was Philadelphia in that game. And they've got kind of a bruising defense. They it, it did not come in when, when the Eagles went into that game. Chicago's defense was among the worst rated in the league. But watching them play, they were they were hitting him hard in that game. And of course, that's the game where Jalen Hurts got hurt. Uh, and with Justin Fields, he can take over a game, just like Jalen Hurts can take over a game. I don't think the Bears make the playoffs this year. That's why I have them at number 10. But this is a team that is on the way up. At number nine, the New Orleans Saints. I've never been the biggest Derek Carr fan in the world, guys. I'll be perfectly honest with you. I think he's slightly above mid but in the NFC, that might be enough to get you into the playoffs. As a matter of fact, it often is enough to get you into the playoffs. And especially in a weak division, New Orleans played pretty well last year. Again, remember, they came into Philadelphia and beat the Eagles in a game that we all thought the Eagles would win. The Saints played them tough. The Saints always play the Eagles tough. And I think Derek Carr 
Certainly in the NFC, he's probably a top five, top six quarterback. So uh, I, I think that uh, the Saints will finish on the outside of the postseason here, but very, very easily could leapfrog ahead. I mean, really, as I'm looking at these teams, teams 10 through six here could go in any order. I mean, it's just it's just a, there. there's so little separating these teams that. If one little thing goes wrong, one little thing goes right, one one role player gets injured, you know, one guy, one team loses a quarterback for six games, one team loses a quarterback for four games, that could be the difference in these teams making or not making the playoffs. And so I have the Saints here at number nine. I don't really have it with any conviction. You could easily flip-flop uh, the, the, the Bears and the Saints with the Seahawks and all that. That's the thing with the NFC. There's so much parity. It's so close here in the middle. It's, it's really hard to separate them out. I have the Vikings at number eight. I think this team won with smoke and mirrors last year. They won all of those one-score games. As a matter of fact, they were undefeated in the regular season in one-score games and then lost at home to the Giants in the wildcard round in a one-score game. And just It's not sustainable to keep winning one-score games that way. And I think Kirk Cousins could see some slippage in his play this season as well. As he gets older, he's in his mid-30s now, uh, which is kind of surprising. I know he's been in the league for a long time, and it just doesn't, if you, I think when you see Kirk Cousins play, you're like, man, that guy still plays like a young player and not always in a good way. Uh, so he makes a lot, a lot of mistakes that you would see in a young player. And so maybe in my mind, I think of him as being younger than he is. But uh, Minnesota just looks like one of those teams. It's kind of a just like, you know, their quarterback, kind of a mid team, um, just on the outside of the postseason looking in here. All right. Now we're getting into the teams that for right now I have as postseason teams. And I've got the Panthers at number seven. I think I think Bryce Young's going to be a very good quarterback in his first season. Every once in a while, you get these rookie quarterbacks who come in and they play well right away. I think that could be Bryce Young here in his rookie campaign. I'm looking for a very solid rookie season from him and possible NFL Rookie of the Year honors. I think the Panthers also have made a, real, a bunch of really nice additions, and that's one of the next teams I want to talk about um, when we do when we get back into our Eye on the Enemy check-ins uh, is talk to the Carolina Panthers writer and just get a, a sense for the things that they've done this offseason uh, get a closer look at those guys. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a PropGPod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the PropGPod wherever you get your podcasts. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Number six. I've got the Rams at number six, and I'm here for the Matthew Stafford bounce back season. The Rams really fell apart because of Matthew Stafford's injury. And I think if he's if he's healthy, if he has an offseason where he's gotten his stuff together, where he's where he's pieced himself together, I think Matthew Stafford could lead the Rams back to the playoffs. I don't think they win the division, but I think they could certainly compete for a wild card because 
the the status of all these other quarterbacks in the NFC, Matthew Stafford, if he's healthy, is probably the, the second or third best quarterback in the conference. At number five, I've got the New York Giants. There will always be a limit on how good this team can be with Daniel Jones at quarterback, but I agree with Ed Valentine when we had him on a couple of weeks ago. They really had no choice but to keep him, and I agree with him that the price that they had to pay as they over the next year or two will kind of be a mid-level contract for a mid-level quarterback, and that's that's basically what we're going to see. I think they have gotten a little better at wide receiver. I think Darren Waller was a good addition, but I just don't think the Giants are elite at anything they do. They don't have really any aspect of their team that is elite. Their lines are, are pretty good. Their running back is pretty good, although I think we saw Saquon Barkley fall down the stretch last year. I mean, he didn't have a 100-yard rushing game after week eight. Uh, we saw that against a team like the Eagles. They just, they couldn't keep up. The talent gap on the rosters were just too big. And I think they've, I think they've added some speed, but I don't know that they've added any real Pro Bowl players to this roster, especially on offense. And so I think there's just gonna kind of be a little bit of a ceiling there on what the Giants can do. But I think they're good enough to be the number five team in the NFC. The number four team I have is the Lions. You know that I think these guys are ready to break out this year. We have seen it in years past where teams go on a late season run. Right, they go seven and one in their last eight, or eight and two in their last ten. But because they got off to such a slow start, they end up falling short of the postseason by a game. And you just know that if the season were two games longer, they would have not only made the playoffs, but probably been a very dangerous team in the postseason. That's the Detroit Lions here in 2023, and I do think they'll win the NFC North. And again, you can listen to uh, more of the Eye on the Enemy check-in we did with the Lions a few weeks ago. Uh, if you scroll through the Bleeding Green Nation podcast feed and find that Eye on the Enemy. Same thing with the Cowboys, who I have at number three on the list. We, we talked about them a couple of weeks ago with RJ Ochoa. Really, with for the Cowboys, they need to stop throwing interceptions. And they need to find some heart in the playoffs. They're going to make the playoffs. They're going to win 10 or 11 games. Even if Dak Prescott plays the way he did last year. But he led the league in interceptions last season. You can't go far when you're leading the league in interceptions. And if Dak Prescott does get rid of the picks, which have never been a big, big problem for him, then Dallas, I do think, will challenge the Eagles for the top spot in the NFC East. I don't think we should sleep on the Dallas Cowboys just because they lost in the playoffs to the 49ers again last year. The Cowboys were good. Cowboys are a very good team. And I think they have the second-best quarterback in the conference. Dak Prescott, I still think, is that guy. Nevertheless, um, they just have a, they have a heart problem. They have a soul problem. They have a lack of confidence problem, especially in the postseason. And until they get over that divisional round hump, there's just there's just something holding these guys back. And I think that the fan base and I think that the franchise itself is just stuck in this. It's not mediocrity. They're above mediocrity, but they're but they're shy of elite because they they can't break through. And so will this be the year they break through? I think there are two teams ahead of them that obviously have a much better chance of going further than them in the playoffs. And the second best team in the league, in the conference, I mean, I have is the San Francisco 49ers. Top to bottom, their roster is every bit as good, if not a little bit better than Philadelphia's. It all comes down to the quarterback, though. Will Brock Purdy be back? And if so, when? And here's the big question about Brock Purdy. Okay, he had a phenomenal run last year when he took over as the third-string quarterback, the last guy picked in the draft, Mr. Irrelevant, irrelevant, suddenly becoming very relevant. 
But can he repeat that? We're talking about Brock Purdy like he's an established NFL star who's injured. And when he comes back, oh, look out. I am not sold on Brock Purdy as a star-level quarterback. I don't, I don't know that Brock Purdy healthy. I don't really know where he ranks among NFC quarterbacks right now because we just haven't seen a lot of him. So even if he does come back, am I 100% sure that he's going to be great? I'm not. And if Brock Purdy isn't that guy, can Trey Lance stay healthy and do the job? The 49ers say they love him with their words, their actions say very different things. And can San Francisco stop whining long enough about the NFC Championship game to focus on the rest of their schedule? Can they stop hating the Eagles long enough to focus on the rest of their schedule? Or will will there still be a hangover from their NFC Championship game loss from last year? And then finally, the Birds. I have as the number one team in the conference. ESPN ranked them as having the second best roster in the NFL. I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, they still have a couple of holes, but overall, they have the best roster in the NFC and they have the best quarterback in the NFC. And as long as that remains the case, the Philadelphia Eagles are going to be the Super Bowl favorites here in 2023. Now, which NFL teams are most likely to end their postseason droughts? Over the last five years, there are five teams that have not reached the playoffs. The Lions, the Jets, the Broncos, the Falcons, and the Panthers. So NFL.com's Adam Shine ranked which he thought, which teams he thought were most likely to break their playoff drought, which is just, I I think it was, I just disagree totally with his list. And I'll tell you why here in in just a second, but that's why I decided to do one of my own. For the Jets, it's been a dozen years since they last played in the playoffs. It's the longest postseason drought of any major sports franchise. It's so easy to make the playoffs in sports now. How do you miss it for a dozen years? Of course, they say that as a Phillies fan who went 10 years with his team not making the playoffs. It's been eight years for the Denver Broncos. The last time they went to the playoffs, they won it all, but now it's been eight years since then. It's kind of a shocking long time given their history. The Lions haven't been to the playoffs in six years, and the Falcons and Panthers haven't been there in five years. So my list here is I think the Lions are the most likely team to break their playoff drought, followed by the Panthers, the Jets, the Falcons, and the Broncos. Now, he had the Jets at number one. Here's why I do not have the Jets at number one. Here's why I'm going with the Lions. Detroit has a pretty easy division that they are the favorites to win. Jared Goff has weapons to throw to, an improved running game, an ever-improving defense that they invested heavily in this offseason. They also play in a division with a weakened Packers team, a non-existent Buccaneers team, and a Vikings team that could be on the verge of collapse. They're the only one of those four teams, of the four teams in the in the division, I mean, that is on the ascension. And they're riding high in confidence after their late-season playoff push. It's just going to be easier for them to make the playoffs than it will be the Jets. In fact, I don't even have the Jets at number two. I have the Panthers at number two for many of the same reasons. And if you look at the rosters, I think the Jets roster is clearly better than Carolina's roster. Absolutely think the Jets roster is better than Carolina, but that's not what we're asking here. We're not ranking these teams in terms of which is the best team. It's which is the most likely to make the playoffs. So if you if Carolina and, and the Jets played on a neutral site and they played each other 10 times, the Jets probably win seven out of 10 times. But the, but the division that these two teams play in are so wildly different. The Panthers tied with the Saints and Falcons at 7-10 and 10 last year and still finished just one game behind the 8-9 and nine Bucks. 
With Baker Mayfield as the starter, as you heard me mention above, I think Tampa is going to crater. New Orleans has certainly has more certainly with Derek Carr at QB than they do. But at the same time, I think Young is going to be a very good quarterback in his rookie season. And Andy Dalton is a fine backup. It's just a much easier road to win the division than what the Jets are going to have to go through. And I will take the team that could easily win its division by going nine and eight over the team that probably needs 11 or 12 wins to do it and has to battle a bunch of wild card teams in the AFC where you might need 12 or 11 wins to to make the playoffs. So that's why I have the Jets at number three. Of all the teams that have a postseason drought, the Jets are probably the most talented. But I'm also not convinced that Aaron Rodgers is going to be good in New York. I don't know that the personality is going to match the city. He could hide in Green Bay and say whatever he wanted to in Green Bay. And nobody, nobody, I mean, it did make, national news at times, but nobody's hounding him in Green Bay most of the time. Different New York, totally different thing. I saw one NFL expert predict that the Jets would beat the Eagles in the Super Bowl this year, and I just, I don't see that. The Jets are going to be better. I think Rodgers certainly will make them better, but in New York, if he struggles at all and the team gets off to a slow start, it could get ugly and unravel fast. Plus, he's 39. He can't play forever. I think the Jets, I love their ferocious defense. I think they will be a handful. I do think they'll reach the postseason. But the Bills will be favored to win that division. And if it not the Bills, the Dolphins. Both of those teams are Super Bowl caliber teams. And so I'd rank the Jets third behind both of those teams. I know the Jets are a chic pick, but I have to rank them third behind the Bills and the Dolphins. So I think it's more likely Detroit breaks their streak than the Jets do. I think the Jets could have a better season than Carolina in terms of wins and miss the playoffs while the while the while the Panthers make it. So give me the Falcons at four for many of the same reasons I listed the Panthers at two. I like Carolina's QB situation better than Atlanta's, although Desmond Ritter is interesting, but he has a bigger question mark. Arthur Smith is a good coach, despite the back-to-back seven and ten records. But Atlanta went out and they did get Bijan Robinson, Drake London. They had Drake London, Kyle Pitts, Corderell Patterson. Again, it's not a star-studded team, but Kyle Pitts could be in for a tremendous season this year. Um, and they did add some add some big pieces. They got Clay Campbell uh, and David Onyemata for the defensive line. Uh, they got J- Jesse Bates at safety. They added uh, Caden Ellis at linebacker. So they've done a lot to improve themselves. I don't think they've done quite as much as the Panthers, but I do like where the Falcons are right now. And you could even make the argument that you'd have the Panthers ahead of the Jets because of the division that they play in and because the NFC is so much weaker. I would not at all disagree with you if you had the Jets at number four and the Falcons at number three. At number five, I have the Broncos because, again, the AFC is a meat grinder and Denver plays in a division with the defending world champion Chiefs and a Chargers team with Justin Herbert at quarterback. I mean, you Russell Wilson very well could be washed. He could be washed here. And the only thing that makes me think they can turn it around is the dominant secondary that they have a Russell Wilson bounce back season and Sean Payton is the new head coach. Maybe Sean Payton finds something in Russell Wilson and can unleash it. But in that conference, it's a very tough task. And I just don't think the, the, the Broncos and, uh, and Russell Wilson have enough horses to get it done. Finally, let's rank the teams that have never won a Super Bowl and, and their chances of winning their first Super Bowl. We'll start from the bottom. The Cardinals have never won a Super Bowl. It ain't going to happen this year for the reasons that I've talked about earlier in the season. The Houston Texans uh, have, there are 11 teams, by the way, that have never won a Super Bowl. Uh, So I have the Cardinals at number 11. The Texans have never won a Super Bowl. I have them as the second least likely to win it all this year. Name me two members of the Houston Texans. 
I don't have their depth chart in front of me, and I can't do it. I have the Titans at uh, at number nine here. The Titans were looking real good last year and then fell apart. And that's a team that just, they don't have a quarterback. They don't know what direction they're going in. This is going to be kind of a reset season for them. Uh, could be a very difficult season for Tennessee. This is not the year they break their Super Bowl drought. I have the Browns at number eight. Now, the Browns could move up this list depending on how Deshaun Watson plays. It's just this, this Browns team, we've been talking about them for like the last two or three years. And they just haven't been able to do it. They haven't been able to, to get any kind of success going. You just wonder if that franchise is cursed or something, but uh, the curse of Kozar or whatever. But it's it's not, again, with the with the conference in the state that it is, you just need to have a great quarterback, and they, they don't have one of those. I have the Panthers next at number seven, uh, followed by the Vikings at number six. Now we get into the top five. The Jaguars were such a surprising team last year. What a fun team. And Doug Peterson, he's won a Super Bowl before. They have Trevor Lawrence. Uh, now you're getting into teams with the really good good young quarterbacks, uh, especially on the AFC side. Um, the Jaguars with Doug Peterson absolutely can, can get to the Super Bowl and win the Super Bowl. Take that step forward. Very much like we talked about with the Lions, how they went on that late season run. The Jaguars did a very similar thing and actually took it into the playoffs and had some postseason success under Doug Peterson. He could very easily do that again. At number four, I have the Lions. I have the Lions ahead of the Jaguars. If you wanted to flip-flop them, I wouldn't argue with you. I have the, the Chargers at number three. And really, the top three teams here have the three best young quarterbacks in the NFL. Chargers, Bills, and Bengals, outside of Patrick Mahomes and, and, um, and uh, Jalen Hurts. So these could be in any order, too. The Chargers at number three with Justin Herbert, I think, are just a hair below the Buffalo Bills at number two and the Cincinnati Bengals at number one. And honest to goodness, what's going to be the difference for these teams is the quarterback. The reason I have the Bengals ahead of the Bills and the Chargers is that I think Joe Burrow has shown that he can play his best football on the biggest stage more so than the other two guys. I think I think Josh Allen is the more talented of the two quarterbacks, but Josh Allen also gets himself into trouble sometimes, and that can hurt you in playoff games and in big moments. Joe Burrow plays under pressure with seemingly no pressure on him at all, has that swagger, has that confidence about him where it, it looks like he's under control. And he may not win. He didn't win the Super Bowl a couple of years ago, and he didn't win the AFC Championship game last year. But he has played very well in those two starts. And so I have the Bengals at number one. Uh, and that's why I have uh, the Bills at number two. It just seems like something something always seems to get in the Bills' way of winning a Super Bowl. And as of over the last few years, getting back to the Super Bowl. But Justin Herbert is a phenomenal quarterback. He could very easily have an MVP season and do what Joe Burrow has done. And, and do what Josh Allen has done. And take the Chargers over the top and win the Super Bowl. I think the margin between these three teams are so very, very close. But I have the Bengals as the team that has never won a Super Bowl as the team most likely to break that streak this year, followed by the Bills. Again, very close. These two teams could play each other in the AFC Championship game, for crying out loud. The Chargers at number three. Any one of those three teams could play each other in the, in the AFC Championship game or the Chiefs or the Jaguars you could throw into the mix, too. So I got Bengals, Bills, Chargers, Lions, Jaguars, Vikings, Panthers, Browns, Titans, Texans, Cardinals. That's my ranking of teams that have never won a Super Bowl to break the streak and win it all this year. Of course, 
if any of those AFC teams get into the Super Bowl against the Eagles, they're, they're not winning this time around. It'll be the Eagles taking care of business for sure. All right, everybody, that's going to do it for this edition of Eye on the Enemy. want to remind you to check out the BleedingGreenNation.com website because that's where we got all the news that's coming down the pike for you this offseason. And check out all of the Bleeding Green Nation podcasts. We got a new BGN radio that came out this week, uh, so you're going to want to check that out. And again, a reminder, you can listen to all of the Eye on the Enemy check-ins with some of these NFC teams that we've been talking about they're all on the podcast feed they're all still current so uh, plenty of time to listen to those and get caught up on what the enemy is doing here as the eagles get ready for 2023 thanks everybody for tuning in we'll talk to you next time right here on eye on the enemy bgn More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.